Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Hello and welcome to the Indie Rugby Podcast Japan 2019 in association with Tudor Watch, the official timekeepers of the Rugby World Cup. Today I'm delighted to say myself and Samuel Lovett have been reunited in Shinjuku having just been to Australia versus Wales at the Tokyo Stadium. Good to see you Sam. Good, good to see you Jack, how are you doing? I'm good, uh, I've had a long day, we got the bullet train up from uh, Kobe yeah. first thing this morning. What do you think, first time on it? Ah, it's just one of those experiences that you really look forward to and then when you actually do it, you, it doesn't disappoint, yeah. does it? You've, I think you've been on a couple, haven't you? Yeah, been a couple of times. It puts uh, East Midlands trains to absolute shame. So. <laughs> That's not hard, to be fair. <laughs> no. um, so, yeah, we, we, we came in past Mount Fuji. A little bit of cloud at the top, unfortunately, so I couldn't, couldn't see the peak, but either way, when you've got the, the sea on one side and the mountains on the other... If you've got time, other. go up the uh, Sky Tree in Tokyo. It's just to the, uh, just the east. You'll see nice views of the... Uh, uh, Mount Fuji out of the distance we need a bit of a clear day like this afternoon was yes uh, when we had the game um, we'll get to that a little bit later but just a brief catch up as we haven't seen each other for three weeks um, how's, <laughs> how's Japan how have you yeah, found it so it's far good, it's, um, it's been pretty eye opening uh, a bit of a cultural shock particularly the, the language barrier um, you know so when you, you go into Europe you can sort of get by and reading the signs sort of broken English or whatever the lingo is there but here it is it's pretty impenetrable um but I mean, the locals have been so welcoming. They they always go out of their way to sort of, to try and help you if they can. Um, yeah. And in most instances, you do get by. Google Translate has <laughs> come in hand a lot. Um, and the places I've been staying, I know they're a little bit different to you. But I, I, like I said in one of the earlier podcasts, I've been a bit off the uh, the beaten track. And and that for me is it just it just seemed a lot more genuine in that sense. It's yeah. Really, and I've had some re- like really nice encounters with some of the locals. Some chap even bought me a bought me dinner the other night um, after we tried to have a conversation and failed but he, he seemed to enjoy himself and of course we are the independent so if there's any other translation services you want to use other than Google Translate <laughs> there you're, you're more than free to um, I tell you what just on that one thing that has really surprised me and maybe it shouldn't have surprised me given where we are is how few people speak English quite well here I thought maybe because of the American interest in Japan and specifically Tokyo English would kind of be like a second language here and I think I've been proven very wrong with that and no, it was a little I, bit naive think, from me. Yeah, historically as a country, Japan has always been it's been very closed off I think it's in the last 150 years you know, it started to open it, its borders um, so compared to other countries it is not as anglicised in, in that sense um, but I mean the impetus should be on us. And as you can hear we are recording this live <laughs> outside Blast Bar where... Uh, we're right in the hub of Tokyo, but, so you may hear a few noises yeah, here or there, but not as, on the normal pod. As I was saying, the, the impetus should be on us for you know to try and immerse ourselves in the language, pick up the phrases when we can. Um, it's been hit and miss so far. I've had a, a couple of people giggling at me, but you've just got to give it a go, haven't you? Yeah, I, I think you're a bit further down the line uh, with linguistics, <laughs> uh, shall we say. Anyway, we so <laughs> let's take a look at the match. Um, mm. And, you know... Straight out of Saturday into Sunday, once again we can say what a match. I mean, we didn't expect Wales to come out like that. We we said on previous podcasts that Wales were probably the favourites, big hitters, but they needed to start proving it. Mm. Boy, did they go around trying to prove it. Uh, 
and then almost as we've now come to expect from Wales Australia games what a comeback from the Wallabies the fact that they were even able to pull themselves in, back into the game from 18 points down to one point down and yeah. take the final 10 minutes into what was really a nail-biting finale I, it just had everything that game yeah, it, it had was... sold out crowd that was predominantly Australian and Welsh wasn't it yeah, it, yeah that no, was a yeah. surprise so you had fans from both sides really passionate really vocal some of the rugby on show was brilliant some of it was incredibly physical some of the hits that went in we'll be talking about later in the pod mm. whether they were legal illegal we'll get right into that and also Michael Checker as usual had his say sprouting off at the end yeah exactly so Sam you, you've already covered Wales uh, this World Cup yes um, looking at that win over Georgia this win now over Australia they're in pretty good shape uh, yeah definitely let's talk about that fast start it, it's been an aspect of certainly from where I've been reporting last year of England's game yeah. maybe not so much Wales's but they really came out yeah. hard and fast I mean, in that sense it, it was similar to the Georgia game they, they came straight out of the blocks they had that drop kick after about two minutes I think um, inside a minute inside was, a minute inside which a minute Dan Bigger fired over a drop goal the, the fastest uh, drop kick to be scored in a, a rugby world, a portion, <laughs> in a rugby world cup game um, and from there you know they, they kept the pressure on they were rewarded with that fantastic kick crossfield kick from yeah. Big, uh, bigger again yeah from bigger um, a nice claim from Hadley parks and, and to touch down right in, in the corner um, obviously australia did come back a little bit they got that first half try which was crucial for them wasn't it they needed yeah. that a nice little powerful break from Karevi, who, who, having seen both of Australia's games this tournament, he, he's proving one of the players of the tournament. And then Bernard Foley, who on, on the whole I, I wasn't impressed with. I, I don't really think he justified his place back in the squad, having replaced Christian Lee Lefano. Mm. Um, I know that you're writing a piece for The Independent uh, talking about the impact of Matt Tamur as well in that. So... You know, I, I think Tamua probably deserves to start the rest of their games for now. He, he looks more creative, more attacking. Uh, but it was Foley's kick that went over to Adam Ashley Cooper to score in his fourth consecutive World Cup. Yes, another, another veteran of the game like uh, Alan Wynne Jones. And as we said earlier, it, it was interesting to see the Aussies fight back in the way that they did. Uh, it's something that I don't think we've necessarily come to expect from them um, sort of over the last 12 months at least. I, th- I feel like when, you know, when they're in that position, they were 18 points down at one point. And you thought that was game over, but they showed real determination and spirit um, to come back in that second half and take the game to Australia. I mean, some of the hits they were putting in were, were huge. They were, they were breaking lines. Um, there was real menace, particularly down the wings, um, where you thought that they, they were going to get the game. They were, they, were, they were by the, I think it was about the 70-minute mark, they were one yeah. point yeah. within Wales. Um, and you thought, surely, it's going to be an Aussie win. But out, out of nowhere, the, the Welsh defence held on. Yeah, they even um, managed to get a penalty in that last yeah, minute. Yeah, I, I, I feel like that, a little bit. that kind of might have settled nerves a little bit. Um, yeah. And then we also talk about the crucial moments in that last 10 minutes. Um, Australia win a penalty from a, a Welsh line-out, essentially. And then next thing you know, they've gone for broke, they've gone for distance, and it's kept in. So yeah. Replacement scrum off Thomas Williams keeps it in. And they've suddenly got no chance of winning. Yeah. I mean... And what then, a mistake that was later yeah he'll be kicking himself about that one but yeah it, it just shows how far Wales have come um, I, I think previous sides might have sort of wilted a little bit under, under that pressure and thought like that was the game gone that they, they would have been going to throw away the lead but the fact that they 
that they did hold hold on in that man I think shows how far they've come under Gatland and I think it shows how far that they can go this tournament as well beating a side like Australia keeping in mind this is their first win over the Aussies since 1987 at the World Cup in doing that it's going to give them a massive lift moving forward and I don't think that they'll be scared of any of the teams that they're going to face sort of in the in the latter stage of the tournament no that, that I mean you kind of expect that's not the Welsh way anyway isn't it? Mm. and then this is just going to be a huge momentum boost yeah. on top of that but we'll get into that in a second um, a bit more of Wales and what they're doing tonight Elowin Jones has become the most capped Welshman in yeah. history 130th appearance for Wales on top of what he's done for the Lions but as we heard uh, earlier there's, there's going to be a few beers sunk tonight to celebrate that <laughs> anyway <not> too many <laughs> before we get to that we've got to talk Michael Checker um, he was dropping some bombs in the media last week after Reese Hodge was uh, was banned for three weeks for his high tackle on Pacelli Yatto which of course left Yatto deeply concussed sick dizzy so make of that what you will and then of course there's been another controversial decision where uh, Karevi appeared to be in my, in my point of view he appeared to be tackled high by Patchell who mm. came on to replace Bigger after Bigger failed in HIA he, I definitely thought it was a high tackle and I thought when they were reviewing it for, with the TMO who was Ben Skeen of New Zealand that Roman Poit was looking for the high tackle mm. it quickly transpired listening to the ref mic that what they were looking for was whether Karevi had led with a forearm and yeah. you could see in the replay the forearm goes into the contact with kind of Patchell's upper chest, the throat area. Now, I was torn on it. I thought it was a little bit harsh on Karevi because he didn't lead with it. He brought it into the impact. And I thought also that Patchell was getting... He was almost getting it for tackling high. He shouldn't have been tackling high. That's what World Rugby want to, want to crack down on. However, I can also understand that the two are separate. But just because Patchell's there does not give Karevi permission to do that. However, Michael Checker, in a complete no surprise to anyone tore into the decision after after the game and basically said he was embarrassed for the sport now obviously Czech is not happy Sam we wouldn't expect him to be happy we know what he's like he's combustible in the best of times but where's the controversy here what's 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 the big issue well I think for him the issue is consistency um, when you look at this tackle and you look at the Reese Hodge one um, and for him he doesn't see he doesn't see many uh, too many too many differences um, but yet they've been met with very different outcomes. So the issue with the tackle was 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 Patchell's height uh, at the point of contact. But that was an issue. That, that that was a point that the referee didn't give really any consideration to. Whereas it was a key focal point with the Reese Hodge tackle. Um, and there was the fact that Carreri's forearm it, it didn't start necessarily high, but it, but it, it it was thrusted upwards in the collision. Um, so in that sense, there is a difference. But, I mean, Chaka just wants some consistency, doesn't he, in, the, in these sort of moments, in these game-changing moments, perhaps. He, he does, but I do have to say that his comments about the referees being uncertain and almost feeling under pressure to make these decisions, I kind of agree with that. I'm not, I'm not going to hammer him completely because, obviously, he's just lost the test at a World Cup. He's going to be unhappy and frustrated. But you look at the whole, and you've got to remember, Hodge got away with his one. He was not picked up in the game. That wasn't even a penalty. Mm. He got done in a disciplinary hearing by a three-man panel solely looking for that and looking for wrongdoing. Yeah. Now, between Roman Poit and Ben Skeen, they've decided that Patchell has no case to answer. The same way that they decided, or the officials decided, Hodge had no case to answer. So, I mean, there is a little bit of consistency there. You just now have to ask, will Patchell be cited for that? And I can 
say with confidence, absolutely not, because mm. it didn't look like what we associate with a red card tackle. Yeah. I mean, if you start sending players off for that, then it, it goes down a tricky avenue. But the high tackle sanction framework does argue that that could be a red card, this yeah. contact with the head there. I mean, when I was watching it in the stadium, the replays, I, I was torn. I thought, well, maybe by the letter, the, one, yeah, it? maybe by the letter of the law, he could be in trouble, but he doesn't really get into trouble, and that's a tricky one for me. I haven't really had that that scenario raised for any of these tackles because they've all been so clear cut in my eyes. And, and do you think there was there was any substance to his words in the fact that referees are being spooked? Uh, yeah, I, I think definitely. Otherwise, you wouldn't have had that World Rugby statement. Yeah, uh, absolutely condemning them. I mean, I know it was worded in a nice way that kind of absolved World Rugby of the blame to say the referees have admitted, but World Rugby do not release statements like that yeah. every day. That was extraordinary when that came out. And we saw it in the England game, didn't we, uh, with John Quill being met with a red card for his for his challenge in previous games. Do you think that might have been met with perhaps a yellow? But on the back of that statement, the referee wanted to wanted to be seen to be taking serious action and clamping down on such issues uh, you, you can see it that way I, certainly there was a few people that thought how can you be giving yellows for a similar tackle and then a red for what was essentially a high tackle but I, I, I was very much of the opinion that was a red tackle yeah. a red card tackle he, he hit him after the whistle went it just looked bad I, I, I didn't like it yeah. uh, I thought it was a cheap shot and I think Farrell was lucky not to be seriously injured in yeah. that but that's the the controversy dealt with. Let, let's move on. Let's get back to what Wales did well. That was grinding it out, which we haven't always seen. We've seen Australia come back in the past over their little rivalry over the last 10 years that has always seen Australia come mm. back and find a way to win it. They didn't this time. Wales held on. They found a way to win it. What does that say about them? What, what does that say moving forward? Well, I think, as we've already said, it's, it's going to lift spirits. They're going to have so much confidence in themselves moving forward that when they do face these heavyweight giants, you know, whether it's South Africa, New Zealand, um, England perhaps, at, at whatever stage, they're going to have the belief that what, regardless of what the opposition throws at them, they can hold in. They can, they can stand their ground and they can give as good as they get. Um, I, I think perhaps one point to mention is that if it had been, for example, in, in New Zealand tonight in, in that position with 18 points... Uh, on the, uh, an 18 point lead the likelihood of, of them throwing that away and letting the opposition back into the game is, is very slim um, so my, my thinking is that if Wales do find themselves in a similar position they can't let that happen again um, and, and that ultimately is what separates the best teams isn't it when they've got that lead they, they consolidate it they don't give the opposition a sniffing um, so you feel if Wales are going to go far it, it is going to be these sort of performances that get them quite quite dogged quite quite gritty backs against the wall bit of an upset not necessarily but not as smooth and as clinical perhaps as, as New Zealand performances that we, we've come to see yeah I, I, it wasn't a performance that says Wales are going to win the World Cup no. does it they, it's not that much of a statement but it was a statement nonetheless I, yeah. I know that I copped a bit of criticism on Twitter after the last podcast the preview podcast of this match in which I said if Australia win it will go down as a World Cup shock yeah. now I, 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 that wasn't me saying that this wasn't going to be a close game or it w- would be easy for Wales but I just feel this Wales side is so much further down the line than Australia and that first half I thought we really saw that the Wales were in control mm. of that game and just allowing Australia to grow back into it I was, I was seeing the old signs of Wales and I want them to get away from that 
Mm. So, yeah, you know, I was quite happy to see them hold on, not just for, to back up my prediction, but also because I really think if they start fully believing in themselves, the team could go serious places. So that's the Wales versus Australia game wrapped up. Uh, join us after the break when we'll be looking back at Saturday's big event as Japan upset Ireland beating who were recently the world number one side in the world to really capture the imagination of Japan, bring this nation together behind the Rugby World Cup and create one of the best carnival atmospheres we've ever experienced. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online you'll experience the all-new Cerebral Way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Welcome back to the Indie Rugby Podcast Japan 2019 in association with Tudor Watch, the official timekeepers of the Rugby World Cup. We're now going to discuss the big game on Saturday between Japan and Ireland. Sam, you were lucky enough to be there. I wasn't. I ended up at Argentina Tonga. Yep. A great first half in itself, an absolutely abysmal second half. <laughs> so we will skip over that. And I'm sorry to any Argentina or Tongan fans that were looking forward to us discussing that. But trust me, there was only one game to be in town, and that was Japan-Ireland. I'm just going to leave this to you. Talk me through it. Yeah, it was a corker. Um, I mean, the atmosphere from start to finish was, was electric there was a sense I think that Japan could could do it could spring a surprise um, but given that the, the way in which uh, Ireland had, had completely smashed Scotland the weekend before you thought there's going to be no chance um, and, and the opening encounters of the, of the match you thought well it's going to go in the same way Ireland with a, a quick two try punch you thought that's it game game done but the way that the Japanese responded was, was phenomenal. Um, Michael Leach came on after about 15 minutes, having been uh, having been dropped rather controversially. Um, but I think his reintroduction to the, to, to the fray really sort of energised uh, the, the Japanese. The hits were ferocious. They were hurling themselves in, into the defending tackles. And slowly but surely, they kind of stirred into life and they started chipping away at Ireland's lead. Uh, couple of penalties I think it was three Yu Tanaka um, who not known for his kicking yeah he, he, he was a calm head um, he, he very calm and composed and then obviously that try which has sort of just brought the game to life then that try which made you think then yes this is going to happen um, and 
it was brilliant. It, 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 I can hands down say, even even after tonight's match, it, it, it was the game of the tournament, I think. And it, and it just shows that Japan, they're no longer, the, well, no longer the underdogs, I don't think. They, they are a team that's knocking on the door of the Tier 1 nations, and you feel that they are going to be capable of another upset. I tell you what was great to see you. At the time, I was in the back of a taxi that had aerial TV, and he, the driver, while driving, managed to reprogram it for us to yeah. put the game on. So we're watching the game, and I see Kenki Fukuoka, who, as far as I was concerned, wasn't even in the squad, mm. brought in late on because of an injury, brought onto the bench, comes on, scores the try. Mm. I think he's very much the picture boy of this team. You yeah. know, the, sorry, the poster boy of this team. It, the fact that he was meant to be ruled out of the first three games I thought was a terrible blow for Japan so to see him come on out of the blue I'm thinking what's he doing on there brilliant stuff I thought that was really gripping and then he nearly got a second try had it not been for Keith Earls yes yeah no that was a fantastic break Um, and Keith Earls to be fair to him putting a shift in in, in tracking him down putting in that tackle but I mean it mattered for little no well Perhaps what mattered for a little bit was Joey Carberry's kick at the end. Now, there's been a bit of controversy over this. Why on earth did Carberry kick it out? Obviously, Ireland were trailing by seven points and they were pretty much camped on their own line. They were trying to run it and if they, they needed a converted try for a, a draw. So you're talking two match points. If they could do that, go 100 metres for that. And Japan were just tackling their hearts out. They were just going from strength to strength to strength in defence. So... Carberry decides clock hits 80 and he kicks it out however he kicks it out at distance where he almost makes it to halfway and now I, I don't understand this Carberry since came out after the match and said it was deliberate to make sure Ireland didn't lose the bonus point because when it comes down to it they've already beaten Scotland that bonus point to Japan could prove crucial mm. in taking them through to the quarterfinals but you don't kick it to halfway do you like can we trust Carberry's words there I think <sighs> It's a very strange scenario that almost sums up Ireland's performance. Yeah, I don't know. In the, in the rush and thrill of the, of the moment, um, you're not necessarily thinking straight. I, I don't know. It, it, it was an odd decision. I, I can understand the logic, but you're right. It, it does kind of, I think, cut to the heart of the defeatism, which was almost hanging over the Irish side, particularly in the second half. It's almost like they, they knew what was coming. Um, you know, whereas... They uh, in the Scotland game. It had been Scotland who'd, who'd rolled over and simply accepted their fate. It, it seemed like the Irish did the same thing in the second half. It, it, for large periods of the match, it was like you knew what was coming. Once you know, it became apparent yeah. that Japan we're going <laughs> to do it. And we talk we talk about the Wales mentality of trying to step out of that. This is almost emerging as the Irish mentality when they did it against England. They were, they were competitive for that first half. Yeah. And as soon as it started going wrong in the second half, it was just throwing the towel. Yeah, yeah, it, it does. It, it poses serious questions of how far they're actually going to go. Uh, and now, in all likelihood, they're going to be up against the All Blacks uh, in the quarters, assuming everything goes to plan. Um, yeah, which, which this really blows the pool open, doesn't it, it this result? It, it does. Um, I, I still think they, they will qualify. I hope they do, because an All Blacks uh, island quarter-final is, is going to be great. I mean, I know Ireland aren't there, but in the in the past, more, more recently, you know, that they have beaten New Zealand twice. So, who knows? If, if they do turn up, could we have... Yeah, you never know. Could we have a shock on our hands? And what I do have to say is this, this does a massive favour to England because where the All Blacks were hoping to face Scotland, maybe Japan, licking their lips, relatively easy quarter-final... 
imagine going to war with Ireland in the last eight and then potentially playing England if England topped their pool. Yeah. I mean, that, that just plays into the hands of the yeah. English, in my, my opinion, as long as they can see off Argentina and France over the next week or two weeks. Yeah. So, m- moving on a little bit, let's talk a little bit how the pools are shaping up. This now looks like Wales are going to finish top of Pool D. It Fiji's... Uh, defeat against Uruguay earlier in the week kind of put pay to their chances of getting through to the quarterfinals uh, we also saw today that Georgia comprehensively beat Uruguay there was no hope of that upset so Uruguay go out the running and Georgia have already lost to Wales mm. so you, you're going to think they're going to lose to Australia again Paul D kind of looks done and dusted now Wales, Australia yep. 1 and 2 Paul A if Japan can beat Scotland, they seal top spot. Mm. Um, and who'd have thought that? They, you know, remarkable. Mm. Um, obviously, they do need to negotiate Samoa. Samoa is a difficult one because it would be very. You've seen them, haven't you? I have, and I'm worried because it will be the type of game where Samoa will know their physicality counts for a lot. Yeah. So they will try to impose on Japan. And what Japan faced in Ireland will be nothing close to what they will face against Samoa in terms of physicality so it it is the kind of game you get the feeling where Japan might just crack under the pressure a bit and Michael Leach was very good afterwards saying hold your horses we haven't done anything yet and I I would say so the the Japanese defence in those last 40 minutes in the second half it it wasn't tested um, in the the way that you feel as you said the Samoa physicality will test it yeah but if they are playing some brilliant rugby, the Japanese, and if they can no, see Samoa, I, I back them to beat Scotland. I mean, Scotland need to come out tomorrow, well, when you listen to the pod today, and really hit their straps, because otherwise they're going to find themselves in big trouble. Yeah. And we spoke about this before we even came out here. Gregor Townsend already signed up for two more years. Those two years come into serious question if they lose to Ireland and Japan. Yeah, it's... A very disappointing start. They've been sort of devastated by a couple of big, yeah, they big have. injuries, big injury losses. Obviously, Hamish Watson's a big loss, um, and that's kind of added to the sense of derailment. So they do. They need a, a big performance tomorrow, uh, t- today, um, where we'll see Samoa again. Yeah. So we'll have to see how it goes. And then we have Pool B, which I think we're all pretty much convinced New Zealand one, South Africa two. Yeah, that's not really up for debate. And Paul C, it kind of feels that England have control of that group. Um, obviously, I've covered that that group primarily with England, and then also Argentina, Tonga at the weekend. But Argentina were brilliant for twenty six minutes, four tries in twenty six minutes. England mm. struggled against Tonga and only did that in seventy seven minutes, yeah. and then they just went flat. And Tonga dominated that game. Yeah. They dominated that game from. 35 minutes out so I, I just can't see how Argentina are going to be able to put together a game plan to beat England when they've never done it mm. in this cycle and then we look at France and a, 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 I say fantastic not fantastic a, the type of story you only get at the Japan World Cup there's a typh- another typhoon coming and suddenly we're going to end up with a game under threat France USA on Wednesday you could have France drawing nil-nil if the game is cancelled on a technicality yeah and they end up taking two points from a game they need five points mm. from to match England how remarkable would that be well, yeah. what a strange story so we'll see how that one plays out um, but just to wrap up the pod uh, 
some England news as, as we've come to uh, be accustomed with on this uh, World Cup trip not what you expect uh, Piers Francis cited for his high tackle on Will Hooley um, disciplinary panel in Tokyo today while the game was going on we all come out of the, the game and he's been cleared uh, managed to successfully argue that while yes it was high and yes it was wrong I shouldn't have done it Your Honour he didn't warrant a red card it was a yellow card due to mitigating circumstances those mitigating circumstances that Hooley dipped just before contact uh, Francis's line of sight was blocked until the last moment and that the initial contact was not his shoulder to Hooley's head the, the other way around his yeah. own head to Hooley's shoulder that Im- took the impact and then lessened the impact on yeah. Hooley's head I mean it's uh, no surprise Checker's angry with that yeah, is it? I mean as we said it's, it, I mean you are far more knowledgeable on, the, on this topic than me uh, Jack but the way I see it, it just there is a complete lack of consistency on the whole issue and, it, and it's one that I think does need to be addressed after the, sort of the tournament's wrapped up yeah I, I just I just feel that it's not going to be the end of it and the rest no. of the tournament is going to be dominated by it I think well that's all for uh, today's episode remember you can download this podcast on Apple Podcasts Spotify Acast or wherever you listen and we'll see you again next time goodbye Acast powers the world's best podcasts here's a show that we recommend Hi, I'm Dori Shafrier, and along with Kate Spencer, I host Forever 35, a podcast about the things we do to take care of ourselves. Join us every Wednesday with guests like author Phoebe Robinson, chef Samin Nosrat, actress Busy Phillips, and even former Secretary of State Madeleine Albright. On Mondays and Fridays, we have mini episodes where we answer listeners' questions on everyday problems like how useful a butt mask really is, how to deal with a petty friend, or how to relax after a long day. So join us Monday, Wednesday, and Friday on Forever 35, where we're not experts, but we are two friends who like to talk a lot about serums. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.